Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I am the author of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which if you're pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant or know somebody who's pregnant, you really want to go out and buy it because most of the questions you're wondering about prenatal care and labor and delivery, they're in there. So go pick up a copy of the book and then email me if the answers to your questions aren't there or somewhere in this podcast. So the last couple of weeks have been super busy. They've been pretty darn stressful and just a wee bit overwhelming. You know, work, family, pets, friends, teacher conferences, politics, you know, life is happening full force lately and I need to catch my breath. That's why this week I'm going to forego our usual format and I'm going to share Lisa Druckmann's interview with me for her podcast, Motivating Mom. Lisa is creator of Fit for Mom, Stroller Strides, Fit for Baby and Body Back, and one of the fastest growing franchises in the country. And she had me on her podcast as a guest last week. Um, And I wanted to share that conversation. It's not often that the mic table gets turned on me. Lisa and I have a lot in common, among them being the fact that health isn't something you pick up at your doctor's office. Um, We both believe that. It's something you cultivate, nurture, grow inside yourself. And we talk about that and a whole lot more in this episode. Now, before we move on over to Lisa's interview, I want to jump ahead to next week. Next week, we're going to do something a little special because it's our 100th episode. Yeah, 100, and we're still not done talking. Make sure you subscribe so you get this episode downloaded automatically, and then come celebrate 100 with us. After that, do me a favor, will you? Go to wherever you get your podcasts and give me a great review. It always helps bring other people into the conversation. And now, here's that interview with Lisa. After almost 20 years spent working as a labor and delivery nurse in urban hospitals, Jeannie Faulkner began a writing career that led to thousands of her articles being published in magazines, newspapers, and websites. She is a writer, editor, podcaster, registered nurse, and mother. Today, we're going to talk to her about her book, Common Sense Pregnancy. Jeannie Faulkner, welcome to the Motivating Mom podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm excited to speak to you, fellow podcaster and yep. f- fellow mama passionate about all things motherhood and pregnancy. Since this is the Motivating Mom podcast, first tell me, who are you a mom to? I am a mom to three daughters, a son, and a niece. Wow. They're my, yeah, they're my five pack. And they range in ages from 17 is my youngest, and she's going to go to college in September. And my oldest is actually my niece, and she's 30-something. So I've been at this a while. You have been at this a while. I always love to lean on experience and wisdom, so I can't wait to learn from you. So I know you're a busy woman. You have multiple podcasts. Uh, the one that we're going to focus most in on today is Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting. We've also got a book. Where did this all start for you? You know, isn't it? You know, you look back on a long career and you say, Yeah, it all just kind of emerged step by step. I was a labor and delivery nurse for going on 20 years. And during the end part of that career, you know, where I had been at the bedside for literally thousands of births, 
I was transitioning into a writing career and uh, it was just time to, to do something a little bit different. And for a long time, I did both nursing and writing and eventually just went into writing, wrote for women's magazines, health articles, those kinds of things for a good long time. And then I got really interested in women's health advocacy and global maternal health. And I started doing some lobbying work for CARE, the Global Humanitarian Organization. And then I started working as senior writer for Every Mother Counts, which is a global maternal health organization. And now I am podcasting for CARE and, you know, published Common Sense Pregnancy, which is my second book about birth in America. And then from there came this podcast. So, you know, I look back and I go, yeah, I guess it started with the nursing career. Okay. So what prompted you to write the book Common Sense Pregnancy? That came to me. I had written my first book with my co-writer, and that book was The Complete Illustrated Birthing Companion, which I know is a really clunky title, but that's what the publisher wanted. Anyways, we had done that book. And I was uh, writing an, kind of an advice column for Fit Pregnancy Magazine called Ask the Labor Nurse. And an editor from 10 Speed Press, which is Penguin Random House publication, I think she was pregnant and she was looking for pregnancy information that was a little bit more down to earth, less scary, you know, less intervention oriented, yet kind of practical because most of most women in America deliver in medical settings based on my experience as a labor and delivery nurse and a mom of many. And she found my column and she liked it. And she reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to write a book. That's what I wanted to ask you was I, it's been a while since I've been pregnant. My kids are 16 and 12, but when I was first reading, I did feel scared by the books that were out there. It was only like, felt like everything that could go wrong. So there's a lot of books out there. Tell me about this book and what makes it different. Well, you know, there are a lot of books out there. And not only are these books focused on everything that can go wrong, but our entire prenatal care system and maternal health care system is kind of focused on all of the things that are not very likely to happen, but could happen. And if they did, they're really horrible. So what we're doing is we're focusing on ruling out or, or preventing or dealing with these catastrophic potentially issues that hardly ever happen. And I recognize from being a labor and delivery nurse and from being, you know, a, a woman who's had children in traditional American prenatal care, that it's kind of stacked towards the fear side, not towards the normal healthy woman side. And it leads women very often into disempowering situations where they're being kind of pressured or manipulated or led down a really strongly interventive road that they probably didn't need. And I, you know, I, I kind of got to the point in my career where I was really tired of pushing one more woman, you know, on her bed into the C-section room for a C-section that she probably didn't need if we had done things differently. And so, you know, that's what I write about. Let's get real about this. You know, most of us are healthy. Most women's bodies are 100% capable of producing healthy children, but we focus on the fear and the risks, and we also focus primarily on the baby. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm all about healthy babies, and there's, you know, nothing cuter in life than a healthy baby. But that is how we stack our care. We, we look at mom as the one carrying baby, and we stack our care towards baby. Well, mom's there too. She's also having 
this experience. And if we shifted our focus and completely supported mom and put our focus there, well, then we'd have a healthy baby. But we're kind of losing mom in the, in the system. Oh, I love your focus on moms. That's It's everything that we're all about at Fit for Mom. We stick to that and we believe in raising healthy moms so that they can raise healthy kids. Tell me, like, what are the top three tips that you think pregnant women should know about? Uh, number one, you're probably fine. You're fine. <laughs> probably fine. Yeah, there are, you know, we, we anticipate that somewhere around 15% of women are going to have some level of complication related to their pregnancy or birth. 85%, and that really is most of us, are probably going to be fine. So bank on that. That's number one. Number two is your health doesn't come from your prenatal care system, from your OBGYN or from your midwife. It comes from you and what you're doing to promote your well-being. Your health is your ability to produce this pregnancy and heal from the aches and pains and heal from the birth. It's your health that's doing all that. That doesn't come in a prescription pad. It doesn't come in a lab test. It comes from you and your body and what you're doing. We focus obviously a lot on fitness because we're a fitness company at Fit for Mom. But gosh, even when I became pregnant, it's so hard to know like what you can do and can't do. You know, my own mom was worried about me working out during my pregnancy. So we now know that it is actually good for the mom. It's good for the baby. But then you still wonder about like what the limits are. Like I did a hot yoga class this morning next to a pregnant woman. And I, even I was going, wait, maybe this is like a little bit too much. Like how do you think moms should know about like what their limits are? Well, I think that, you know, if, if that woman that was next to you has really acclimated to it, I mean, who knows, maybe she's been doing hot yoga for years and her body is completely adjusted to it. Whereas I can go to a hot yoga class and I, I can't deal. Yeah, <laughs> My body says, yeah, they say not no. pregnant. I can barely yeah, deal. With. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. So, you know, you got to know your body. You got to know what's going on. I would not recommend that somebody who's newly pregnant choose their prenatal yoga class to be the hot yoga class. But that woman's body may be totally used to it and she may be totally fine. That kind of leads me to point number three, which is ultimately everything that happens is up to the decision that the woman makes. Even to the extent of what prenatal care choices she makes, labor and delivery choices she makes, ultimately it's her decision. Do you talk in the book about uh, what we're calling the fourth trimester? Like, I think we spend so much time thinking about the pregnancy that we don't prepare mom for how to take care of herself after baby is born. Yeah, I, I talk about it a little bit, but no, I didn't get a whole lot of chapter space for that. I'm sure you've worked with enough moms. Yeah. Talk to me about like, what advice do you have for a mom to prepare herself so she more than survives during that new mama stage. She actually can thrive. I, I agree with you hundred percent. We're not supporting women during that fourth trimester or what I would, I would extend it for the whole first year. Yeah. There's just <laughs> so much going on physically, biologically, professionally, relationally. I mean, it's incredible how many changes women go through in that year. They also have a complete 100% identity shift where they go from, well, if it's their first, where they go from being, I'm Lisa, to all of a sudden, I'm so-and-so's mom. You know, you're a completely re-identified as a mom now. And in our society, there's not a lot of glamour with that. There's not a whole lot of, you know, real positive support for that. There's not even a whole lot of respect for it. And during that first year, I think that women 
come up against that. You know, they, they look at their maternity leave. They look at their workplace breastfeeding policies. They look at the fact that they're expected to be back at work in six weeks and to be, you know, really performing just like they did before. Yeah, get real. That's not happening for any woman. So what I recommend that women do during that time is don't even kid yourself that you're going to be killing it after you have the baby. If it's your first baby and you think that, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to take a couple of weeks, I'm going to heal up and then I'm right back at it. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not realistic at all. So anticipate that you're going to need a lot more downtime, a lot more healing time, a lot more time just to figure out this new life you're living. Just take your time as much as you possibly can. And then ask for as much help as you can possibly yes. get. Yes. Whether that's from your employer, your family, your partner, your, you know, your healthcare provider, whatever you can get, say yes. Yes, I agree. Double down on that so much. You think about other cultures and past generations where we were brought up with a bigger village of literally a village or um, a bigger family network. And it seems like most women in America today have their baby, the husband maybe or partner takes off a couple of weeks if they're lucky and then she's alone. And we just would love to see women get more support and a bigger network right from the start. And I'd like to see them getting a lot more medical care after the fact. Like let's take some of the standard interventions that were all of that intention we're placing on this low risk pregnancy. And let's shift some of that attention over to even a normal postpartum period. Right now, women generally, you know, they leave the maternity unit and then they see their provider again at six weeks. Oh my God, so much can happen in those six weeks. So many things. In some parts of the country, they may have better access to care than that because they are in a healthcare system that has a lactation consultation program where they're checking in with a provider every week or two weeks. That's great. That helps a lot. And those providers are now trained to look for issues like uh, hypertension, bleeding, depression, anxiety, along with you know the breastfeeding support. So that's a system that I think we should expand on. We're hearing about a lot more clients who are going to, and I forget the proper name of the title, like but pelvic floor therapists after having a baby. Is that something that you recommend? Yeah. If your insurance is going to cover it, go see a professional. If not, look it up and do some practicing. In you know some parts of the world, it's just standard care. It's just, you, you just do. You have a vaginal birth and then you go to a pelvic floor physical therapist to get everything healed in the right direction. And we are finding now that when women do that, we're seeing better results in terms of incontinence and leakage and sexual performance and pleasure and muscle tone, you know, for the next birth. I mean, all good things. So when my grandmother had her babies, both of my grandmothers, they told me that, you know, their husbands dropped them off at the hospital. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the husbands left, came back the next day when baby was born, that when they were pregnant, they were like, you know, you stayed in, like you didn't have, you'd be in a moo-moo and like you really stayed out of sight. My mom certainly was not in a situation like that, but I know that they certainly didn't exercise. Pregnancy hasn't changed, but how we react to pregnancy has changed. What do you hope the future looks like for how we approach pregnancy? 
Well, I would like to see a really radical shift of the American healthcare model. <laughs> and it's not a realistic one at this moment, but you know what? Re reality changes all the time. This is what I'm hoping for. I would like to see the American birth system, the birth industry, model itself more after the maternal health systems in countries that are producing the happiest, healthiest mothers, babies, and the best birth outcomes. And that is not the United States. We are nowhere near the top of countries that are, in terms of maternal mortality or maternal deaths, we have a rising maternal mortality rate, which is a real reflection of something's wrong with our system and we're not putting moms first. We're putting something else first, which might be something like the insurance industry or the computer industry, or, you know, we're not looking at moms, we're looking elsewhere and we've created this mess. So in other countries that are working really well, most women go to see midwives. That's standard. If you've got a problem, you'll go see an obstetrician. If you're a normal, healthy woman, you go to the woman, you go to the healthcare provider who specializes in normal, healthy, you know, prenatal care. That's midwives. Midwives are also special trained to recognize when things are going wrong. And at that point, they transfer care to the specialist, the obstetrician. What we do here is about 94% of women get their, their all of their prenatal care from an obstetrician. They don't see midwives. So most women in America are getting their norm, you know, normal healthy women are getting their normal healthy pregnancy care from somebody who is a surgical specialist. And they're going to deliver their baby in a hospital setting that is just like an intensive care unit and has its own surgical suite. And it's associated with a, an ICU unit. And all of these things are really, really great when you need them. Mostly we shouldn't have to need them. Yeah. So I'd like to see a shift. I'd like to see most women seeing midwives. I would like to see that shift too. And I'll use this as an opportunity to shift us. When we come back from our commercial break, we are going to put this expert advice aside and we are going to talk to Jeannie about her real life balancing work and motherhood. So Jeannie, tell me again how old your kids are. My youngest daughter is 17 and then I have a son who's 22, a daughter who is 28, one who's 29, and my niece is 32. So you've made it to the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's we're still going. Okay, still yeah. Happening. You never stop worrying about your kids, but hopefully the hustle is a little bit less and the juggling's a little bit less. Oh, so much easier. So much easier. Yes. Yeah. We would love to learn from your wisdom. When you had the kids at home and you were juggling it all, how did you get it all done? Work, parenting, self-care. Oh, my goodness. I worked my butt off. <laughs> I worked. For a good long time, I, I worked the graveyard shift, and that's how I did it. I worked from 7 p.m. to 7.30 or 8 in the morning. Oh, um, and then I would, <laughs> I know. And I did that for about 10 years. And then for the next 10 years, I worked a combination of evening shifts, which would be, you know, 3 to midnight or some days, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But when it was the night shift years, and those were the years when the kids were little, I uh, would work all night. And then I'd go home and help get the kids off to school. And then I'd run home and I'd jump in the bed and I would sleep as fast as I could. And I would wake up when it was time for the kids to come home. And at, you know, and usually what would happen is my husband would drop the kids off at school and he would pick them up from school and he would bring them home. And then I'd get up and I'd start the rest of my day. And that would be about three o'clock in the afternoon. How much sleep did you get? 
maybe five or six hours. That's that's about typical for a mom nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'd get that between shifts and then I'd get up and I'd do my thing and then go back off to the hospital and I'd work two or three nights in a row. And then I'd have, you know, three, four nights off. That is a rough biological schedule. Oh, it was crushing. It was awful. And, um, I did not do well with it. I actually, when my youngest daughter was born 17 years ago, uh, right after she was born, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I, um, I didn't go back to night shift after that. I'm fine now, but it was, had a heavy impact on my body. What I did have going for me was that my husband is a really good co-parent and partner. So we were able to do the hustle pretty well. Did you guys need childcare? Did you ever get support? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With all those kids, you bet we did. We used, you know, I, I parenting over a long stretch of time. Oh, we used some in-home care for a little while. We used, you know, after-school care programs when kids were at elementary. But then the very best system for us during the last stretch where of, you know, intensive child care years was when I had, you know, a newborn, a four-year-old, a couple of adolescents, a teenager, and my 89-year-old father lived with us. So I had, you know, like six kids under 89 and I had Sarah, my beloved. And, you know, I'm going to have to tell her, Sarah Mott Ochoa, you are my savior. Even after all these years, she came in and she did multi-generational care. And she was, you know, the most awesome nanny, took care of us. Such, she was great. (laughs) That's how we did it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it takes a village. Jeannie, I try to lessen the learning curve for my listeners. What is something that we can learn from you, even if it's a mistake that you made? Don't skimp on your your sleep. If you can find, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Get get some sleep. I, I think that the, the real key to being a woman in the 21st century today is try to simplify. Don't bring on stuff that you really don't have to do and make some time for some rest. It's really, really important. I, I, you know, studies even show that people that don't get enough sleep or people that work off shifts and don't have normal circadian rhythms are at higher risk for nasty diseases. And I gotta, gotta say, I got one. Were you in those early years able to take care of yourself or was that non-existent? I did okay. I mean, I've always been very mindful about what I eat and exercise has always been pretty important to me. I'm not an athlete and I'm not naturally gifted, but I can walk, I can swim, I could jog a little, I can do yoga classes, I can do, you know, I can be active. And so I did my best to do that. Okay, let's finish with a speed session. So I'm going to give you some sentences and I want you to finish each sentence with the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I suck at this. Oh no, it's so fun. So fun. Okay. (laughs) All right. I am. I am doing great. I am working on. A new podcast. That'll be a total of three. Awesome. I wish I didn't waste so much time on worrying about the about what probably isn't going to happen. The best Mother's Day present would be I love Mother's Day presents. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I I the best one would be I get to see some or most of my kids if not all and I love getting presents. I wish moms knew <laughs> they're killing it. You're doing fine. You're great. I wish my kids would. I wish my kids would just go for it. I wish that they would just take the risks, live the dreams, do it. Jeannie Faulkner, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for helping to raise this generation of healthy mamas. And thank you for being a motivating mom. 
Thank you. It was really fun. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find the original episode and everything you need to know about Lisa Drexman at fit for that's the number mom.com fitformom.com. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at genefaulkner. Email me gene at genefaulkner, and I'll spell the name. I know it's a hard one. J-E-A-N-N-E. Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. Then check back next week for our 100th episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.